in a world where most people watch movies and then forget about them. These brave heroes join forces to watch them again and then talk about them. Join them in their epic journey as they go back in time, a decade and beyond, to revisit and break down films from a vast array of genres. Do these movies hold up over time? Are they classics? Find out on Retro Movie Roundtable. Starring your hosts, Brian Fry, Chad Robinson, Destin Melbarnes, Nathan Lutz, and Russell Guest. Coming now to Headphones in Your Ears. Welcome all you lords, ladies, and knights to the Retro Movie Roundtable. Welcome to the show where we watch movies and then talk about them. I am your host, Russell Guest, and joining me today are my good friends and co-hosts, Mr. Chad Robinson from right here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. How you doing, sir? I can feel the love tonight, Russell. All right. And uh, let's see, from deep in the heart of Texas, Mr. Dustin Melbardis. How are you doing, sir? My heart is full of poetry and the, the romantic feelings of a stormy 30-degree weather day. Well, I'm going to take a note from our Singing in the Rain podcast, since everybody's doing this dramatic intro, and I'm just going to say, love, 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 <laughs> love, 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 love. <laughs> Very nice. Beautiful. All right, so we okay. So we everybody knows each other here, but let's get to know each other just a little bit better. Valentine's Day often subjects many guys to movies that they did not wish to see. What is a movie that your girlfriend, wife, significant other, boyfriend, whoever it is, went to bat for, but did not please you? Chad, I think I think I'm really gonna enjoy hearing this from you because you have a you have a litany of great movies that Sarah subjected you to that I know that you're, you're not a fan of. Why don't you start us off? I think the most offensive one is Ghosts of Girlfriends Past, but there's additional reasoning for this. My wife wanted me to see this movie, but she had seen it when I was away. Actually, I think we were at the Poconos, Russell, and she had seen it with her family, and she didn't tell me, and she knew. She knew what I was getting into, but because I had agreed to do it with her, she made me see it. And I looked over at her. She's like, yeah, I already knew this wasn't great. So that is, that is the most egregious thing she's done to me. Sometimes you need a courtesy, like uh, viewing. Like sometimes if something's so bad, you just need to share in the experience with somebody. You know, though, you were remarkably forgiving with that lose a guy in 10 days with Kate Hudson. I figured anything with Kate Hudson in it would at least get you above average for you. Yeah, yeah. How to lose a guy in 10 days, I will go to bat for. But Ghost of Girlfriends Past made Matthew McConaughey quit acting for a while. So. <laughs> okay, okay. But it didn't make him put a shirt on, so. No, Who that was wants him role. to have a shirt on? No, <laughs> we got to keep him shirtless. Right? Fool's Dustin, gold. Dustin, how about you? What's a movie that you had to see, but you didn't wish you had? I guess there's several ways to put this, but I have impeccable taste in ladies. And so there's not many things that I've been introduced to, like movie-wise, that I haven't been like uh, into. Uh, however, the, the one that stands out was uh, Mamma Mia. I'm, I, am, I am a musical guy, and I you like are. Abba, Yeah, this surprises me. But I thought the movie wasn't very good. And right. learning that her and her family did like it, I was just kind of in the position of nodding along and generally being positive as I tend to be. But that one, I, I never want to see it again. Uh, the, the one the, the one that I, I almost suggested was uh, uh, My Big Fat Greek Wedding 2. I love 
my big fat Greek wedding, that was introduced to me, and I was just like, hi, you know, high fives all around. This is great. But the second movie, like we were actually both excited to see it, and it was oh, this fell flat. So it, there's there's not too many in that category, but I'd say Mamma Mia is the number one. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I didn't. Uh, I didn't. I somehow I forgot that it existed, or for, you know, I do vaguely remember seeing a preview for it now. And you're right. That that is a movie that exists. I can vouch for that being a thing. <laughs> it is a movie. It's got your yeah. boy Pierce Brosnan, and and he sucks at singing, which is too bad. Because... Oh, I know. There were a number of people who weren't as good as you wanted them to be. Like Dustin's right. That movie was filled with people who're just like, I want you to do better because I like you, and I just want. I want this whole thing to be going better than it is. And I'm trying to <laughs> smile and grit my teeth through it. But gosh, it sure looks like you're having fun. That's the yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, let's talk. So my, mine, Mary has phenomenal taste in, in movies. And uh, she doesn't subject me to movies I don't generally want to see. There's maybe one or two that I just don't connect with like she does. And I don't like Shakespeare. I'm not a Shakespeare guy. And so Much Ado About Nothing from 1993 uh, is a good time for her, and it makes her laugh and have a great time. The cast is impressive. It's just not for me, and I, I have a hard time with it. So I'm not cultured, I guess. So I'm yeah. also not a Shakespeare guy, but I think there's a... What's the one coming out soon with one of the Coen brothers directing? Either you two help me with this. They're doing a Macbeth. Are they? Well, I didn't know this, but I guess they had you at Coen brothers. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you got me there. Uh, it, it, it looks pretty cool. Adaptations are great. Ten Things I Hate About You, Lion King. No, no, no. I just meant this is a, no. This is straight up Shakespeare in the period. Like okay. 1993 is much ado about nothing. It's not a modernization. It is not a musical. It is straight up Shakespeare. Yeah. So, but yeah, um, you're definitely right. Adaptations help the the content with being either more modern or being more fun. Uh, yeah, those tend to be pretty good. I think. Except yeah. for Othello or Oh, that was terrible. Well, if I me mean, if you love really well written, highly crafted dialogue by Shakespeare, you might like today's movie. So, um. <laughs> oh man! But before we get there, what's the last movie you saw, Chad? I actually saw The Lion King. Speaking of Shakespeare adaptations, it was going to be Scream. That was a smooth transition. It was going to be Scream Five. I was excited to talk about that, but my daughter wanted to watch The Lion King. She cries when Mufasa dies. Spoiler alert, I guess. But, <laughs> but you know, I think you should she cut that. She uh, she does look at me very suspiciously when I get excited for Scar's song and Be Prepared, which is the best scene in the movie. I'm sorry, hands down, best best villain song. But yeah, she she likes The Lion King, but she still cries. Okay. Dustin, what was the last movie you saw? I really wanted to see another romantic movie because it was just the mood of this episode. So I watched 2001's The Mexican with Brad Pitt, Julia Roberts, and James Gandolfini. Um, I did watch that movie in theaters when it came out on a little like middle school date. And even young Dustin was like, hey, this is pretty good. And so I've, uh, I've gone back to watch it several times, and uh, I really dig it. All right. And the last movie I saw, Chad's going to laugh at this, but this keeps getting cut from segments and I want to share that I saw this because I enjoyed this movie because uh, cut for time I should say um, I saw Seeking a Friend at the End of the World and from 2012 and I will get this on the air at some point <laughs> that is not true I am doing the edit and I will cut it again 
<laughs> oh, how did you like Baby's Day Out? Yeah, you, you saw yeah. you said that's yeah. what you watched. Cool. Yeah, we really do not recommend Baby's Day Out, but Russell, you do you. This is uh, your favorite movie? Is that what you keep saying to me? My text every day, like, oh, Baby's Day Out again. <laughs> Hidden Jim. Uh, <laughs> All right, so today's movie is what, Chad? It is Valentine's Day, people. Valentine's Day comes out in 2010. It stars literally everybody. We'll go into that more later because uh, that's a big component of this movie. It stars everybody. It places at 24th in the box office that year. It's doing pretty well for a rom-com. It comes in just behind the movie Jackass 3D, which that's even lower brow. Hey, and, I enjoyed and, it. And above Black Swan. That's painful. Uh, and the number one movie from 2010 was Toy Story 3. Tearjerker. Yes. yes. Speaking of animated movies to make you cry. And IMDb gives Valentine's Day an unkind 5.7. Is and that unkind? Cri- no. No. <laughs> oh, you guys are, you got your poker faces up here. So critic tomato, sorry, the critics rating from the tomato meter from Rotten Tomatoes is 18%. So even more unkind. And the audience scores pretty cool on it in Rotten Tomatoes, 47%. Uh, this isn't the end of the bad news. The Golden Raspberry Awards give it to winners. Ashton Kutcher takes away Worst Actor, and Worst Supporting Actress goes to Jessica Alba. These people are not in movies for their acting quality. They're pretty people, so let's uh, let's let's consider that when we give these awards away. You can be untalented and unattractive, which would be, I think, uh, you know, you objectively worse. Yeah, sure, it could be definitely objectively worse. The Golden Raspberry Award nominees are also in effect here, uh, competing for worst actor for Ashton Kutcher, but beaten out was Taylor Lautner, uh, and worst supporting actor was George Lopez. Or sorry, nominated George Lopez. The MTV Movie Awards, however, nominated for a positive award. It was nominated for Best Kiss between the two Taylors, Taylor Lautner and Taylor Swift, and they became a real-life uh, item. So that did not win at the MTV Movie Awards, but you know. Uh, Ashton Kutcher gets his uh, revenge here because he wins a Teen Choice Award for the best actor in a romantic comedy. You know, the Razzie said no, but the Teen Choice Awards said definitely. So who got the last laugh there? Hmm? Yeah, just a reminder to trust our teens. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's America's future there. No. <laughs> what a grumble there i haven't i haven't heard that's that's the sound i get when every time i say star wars episode one the phantom menace it's like the side it's like the sideshow bob stepping on a rake sound <laughs> all right this is a different kind of episode already all right chad had you seen valentine's day before i've seen parts of it like there were things that i knew that there was no way i should have known like anne hathaway's character being a sex worker i did not i this was a movie i i guess my wife had on in the background and i wasn't required to pay attention to which is unusual so sort of i suppose and how did did it go down for you now that you actually sat down and really took it in and studied it oh okay we're doing that now yeah uh, this is a categorically worse version of Love Actually. That's okay. Put a pin in that. We'll, yes. we'll come back to that. Yeah. And do you feel like it's holding up, Chad? It it has an absurd amount of BlackBerry references. I feel like this movie was sponsored mm-hmm. by BlackBerry, so <laughs> that part hasn't aged as well. But otherwise, 
I don't feel like there's anything egregious. Okay. And Dustin, how about you? Had you seen Valentine's Day before? I do want to say about, I think it's first three minutes of the movie when you see a character pull a Blackberry out of a sleeping partner's hand, that that aspect has held up that um, holding on to or having your phone close while you were sleeping is one aspect, even though Blackberries are essentially kaput. I had never seen this movie before. I remember when it came out. I think what I remember more was the idea that very soon afterwards there was another holiday-themed movie, then five years later was another holiday-themed movie, all of them Gary Marshall, the 2016 Gary Marshall film being his last film. But I, I, I remember thinking, like, ah, that's a pass, even though I was in a relationship at the time. There are certain romance movies, certain types of romantic movies, whether they're very lovey-dovey or if they are comedies or intended comedies, then it's it's something that I'm I'm not opposed to, but this one was a pass. I think actually, and I know you already said the love actually thing, it was once I got a taste for the huge ensemble cast movie, I think I just turned my switch off like, nah, that's not for me. Um, so I didn't watch it at the time. But of course, I'm always grateful for my position on this podcast to be able to revisit stuff like this. So uh, this was my first and second watching of this movie for today's podcast. Well, I'm in a unique position because I wasn't made to watch this and I don't have a disclaimer. I just, you know, as, as you know, at the end of every one of our years, we rank the top 10 movies from 10 years ago. And even though it seemed far-fetched, this was just one of those movies that uh, was a high grossing movie. And I had a huge cast, a lot of people who I do enjoy. And it was just one of those things where it's just like, yeah, I'd like to see that. And I was curious and I got into it and I didn't hate it as much as clearly everything else here shows. So I'm not going to be, I'm not going to go to negative town on this one. And it's a genuine thing. I feel like it's a pleasant experience and um, I didn't hate watching it. And I watched it on my own without my wife or any, any female accompaniment or any accompaniment for that matter. So, yeah. That is a ton of hot takes. Russell is just yeah. spitting fire right now. I did. I did. It's true. I, I, I even think I'm, I went in on the podcast saying, like, this is the last movie I saw. And I think Chad says, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. So. I, this is this is Russell's confession time. It's like his, uh, his embarrassing things that he likes. I see, yeah, it was good. Well, I mean, it wasn't in my top ten movie, which is no spoiler to that episode. But, uh, yeah, I... Uh, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to see all the movies that I can and uh, it, you know anything that sends a ripple like this and it uh, Dustin's right this was a mini genre for the time so we'll, we'll get back into that here soon. This is now a thing with Dustin and myself. We're gonna do Gary Marshall, Julia Roberts movies. That's uh, every time we team up each year, we will do a Gary Marshall, Julia Roberts movie. I don't know how many you have left. Uh, a several lot. yes <laughs> yeah every every little duo of our of our cavalcade of cast hosts uh we we all need our little thing nathan and i we're our uh we're our bros on boats man we're your big big boat boats boys. <laughs> big boats he yeah, likes big and, boats and, and, he can't mm-hmm. lie <laughs> no not about that I'm on and a boat. uh yeah so uh, me me and uh chad are the uh the gary marshall brigade apparently. <laughs> All right, so after this, there will be spoilers that lie ahead. So if you have not seen Valentine's Day, you're going to want to pause this because there's some deep stuff here, and I think you're not going to want to miss it. We'll be back after this. What happens when two modern film fans go back and rewatch all the old classic films from yesteryear to see if they hold up? 
you get the Classic Film Jerks podcast. Find the Classic Film Jerks podcast on all the major platforms. Welcome to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And every week we review a movie from the past and reflect on things we miss, things we loved, and things we want to see again. Yeah, because we believe any movie worth watching is worth watching again. So if you like films, friendship, and a lot of callbacks, I mean, just so many callbacks, then subscribe on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever RSS feeds go for like-minded, movie-loving individuals like you and we're back this is your final warning there are spoilers that lie ahead so if you have not seen valentine's day from 2010 watch out chad do you want to refresh people's memory for people who have not seen this movie since 2010 good luck kelso from that 70s show is a hopeless romantic who proposes to sue storm from the terrible fantastic four movies no one thinks they're right for each other Kelso's best friend, Sidney Bristow, is in a relationship with McDreamy from Grey's Anatomy. To the surprise of no one, McDreamy is a cheating jerk and Kelso finds out through his floral shop business. He tells Sidney, but she doesn't believe him for reasons that aren't clear at all. So anyway, Sue Storm leaves Kelso. He's sad, but predictably gets together with Sidney after she figures out he was telling the truth. It's super convenient. Also, George Lopez was there. McSteamy from Grey's Anatomy, not to be confused by McDreamy, it's an important distinction, is a quarterback struggling with his next move. His agent, Mary Camden from Seventh Heaven, and also the terrible Blade 3 movie, hates Valentine's Day, is throwing a sad party about it. The guy who played Ray Charles in Electro gets assigned to cover a fluff piece on Valentine's Day, but really covets McSteamy's press conference. He crosses paths with Mary Camden and they start to grow on each other and Ray gets the scoop on McSteamy's press conference. Turns out McSteamy is gay, announces it, then determines he's going to keep playing. Rocket Raccoon's voice and Captain Aaron Brakovich are on a plane. <laughs> Rocket appears to be sweet on Aaron's Mona Lisa smile and repeatedly mentions how lucky the man wow. she's going to visit must be. Turns out Rocket Raccoon is gay and he's home to visit McSteamy. Aaron Brockovich is flying home to see her son on Valentine's Day. Her son also has an annoying storyline where he's in love with Sydney, his teacher, but finds out he's also in love with a girl from his class instead. It's unnecessary and Russell is wrong. Also, Aurora Greenway from Terms of Endearment is her mom, who's also a cheater, who has to easily reconcile with a hurt Carlos Torres, also from Grey's Anatomy. I guess they only really had like three franchises to pull from. I don't know. <laughs> so meanwhile, Seventh Heaven's girlfriend, Ella from Ella Enchanted, is a sex line moonlighter who is going out with Eric Foreman, also from that 70s show. Eventually, Eric figures out Ella's gig. There's an awkward scene, but they reconcile. Jill Roberts from Scream 4 is a high schooler trying to make her time with Carter Jenkins. I really have no clever references here. I have no idea what this dude has done. She also happens to be the annoying kid's babysitter. They don't wind up having sex, which is kind of anticlimactic. Get it? <laughs> oh, also the werewolf from Twilight and some girl who chose to take a role in Cats are sickeningly lovey-dovey throughout just to add more star power, I guess. They're probably going to break up. She'll write an annoying song about it instead of just shaking it off. Happy Valentine's Day, y'all. Ugh.
pure gold, Chad. <laughs> so now that everybody is really refreshed and totally understood all of that. For, you with, know what the movie's doubt. about. If you follow that, then you are the deep niche uh, movie fanatics that uh, we need here on this podcast. I feel like my wife would have gotten every single one of those references. <laughs> yeah. All right. So story here is kind of meandering. Now, Dustin, what do you think about a format of movie like this? You kind of said that I got a taste for this with love, actually. And you came back to it again here. Uh, it, it definitely takes that template that we saw in love, actually, but is less British. How does it how does it feel when we import the multi-star, multi-storyline, overlapping, weaving story and bring it over here. So objectively, it's a creative landscape for the storyteller to put everything back together for us. And it is a fun concept. Let's keep track of these people. Having them interact as they do, having these storylines kind of weave together through Kelso mostly, is is fun that being said there's also a bit of like heavy lifting your brain has to do to keep track of these things and in fact i don't think your brain is meant to do it i've mentioned before particularly the movie birdman how it is mentally taxing to watch that movie because your brain doesn't get a break with this movie we have a different way that your brain is stressed. Which, there's a reason why it was likely easier for Chad to write his summary in that way, because I don't think I can really tell you any of these characters' names in the movie. Nope. Because there's too many of them. Now, I, I, I can remember Jessica Alba's name is Morley, because that stands out. Uh, but essentially, everybody else is just like, yeah, George Lopez is George Lo Lopez, Kelso is Kelso. We need to refer to them as their actor names because I don't think any of the character names will register for anybody, even fans yeah. of the movie. I think we should definitely make a rule here right now. We're going to be announcing them as their actor names. Well, but for some of them, like, for instance, I don't know the difference between McDreamy and McSteamy. So, like, for me, I'm just going to call him quarterback man. And he is, like, like I, I know, like... He's Sean Jackson because it's way too close to an actual NFL player named Deshaun Jackson, who's incredible and remarkably still in the league. So like there's it's it's difficult, I think, to hold on to everything. And while your brain's attempting to do it, you're missing other small details that on a second rewatch or sorry, on a rewatch or a second viewing, some of these small details do come to light. However, during that second viewing, that's when you you may be sort of forced out of the enjoyment of this movie because there's just too much to kind of keep track of. So uh, as far as the um, idea of it, I think it, I think that's fun. And watching this movie would like like opened up my curiosity as to the other two, the other two holiday based movies by Gary Marshall. Not because I think it's a slam dunk, but because I'm like, let's see how this can be done. I think that's a, an appeal of mysteries and thrillers is how do things come together. And that's what you get out of something like this. Well, Chad, should I incriminate myself further? Go for it. I have seen New Year's Day as well. And um, of my own choosing. It gets worse. Yes. Yeah. And, and, it, and that one is not as well made as this one. So. Aaron Brockovich is in that one too, right? 
there's a lot of re overlap <laughs> into that movie i mean jessica beale comes back yes. i mean ashton kutcher is back there are a number of people from this movie i mean gary marshall people seem to like gary marshall and rightfully so i mean i, I think they have fun making these movies and it shows in what they're doing and kind of it's interesting you pulled mama mia out at the beginning dustin because there's some degree of i like the people and they look like they're having a lot of fun and so there's some degree of just like you know what this is just hollywood everybody got together and had a good time i mean chad often points to grown-ups as a movie where adam sandler just called his friends up and said you want to go hang out over summer and uh, make a movie and then they made a lot of money doing it so you know do you get paid well to do minimal work, really? Uh, in Julia Roberts' case, especially, which I'll, I'll mention later. But yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's just one of those things where I think if you like to see who's who in Hollywood and see them all crammed into one movie, I mean, if you enjoy reading like a People magazine and just seeing these people interacting with people and overlapping people and like, oh, those two people were in this movie and those two people were in that movie and now they're back together. And there's, there is a... this. That might sound shallow, but to be honest with you, there is something enjoyable about that. That's a really good way of putting that. Hector Elizondo was pretty yeah. much in every movie. Like he's yeah. he's attached to Grey's Anatomy. He's got the connection there. He's in a movie with Anne Hathaway. I think it was actually Ella Enchanted that he was in. He's in several with Julia Roberts. So he did Runaway Bride, which mm-hmm. I think. Yes. Uh, I think I I listened to this one episode of this one great podcast about yeah. that movie. Yes. Guest was great. The host were, eh, I don't know about that. A little bit shaky, but I mean. <laughs> That's fair. Guest pulled it through. That is completely fair criticism. Yeah, there's a lot of illusions, <laughs> too, of, like, we're going to the Pretty Woman well a lot. There are specific scenes set up to reflect Pretty Woman. So they, they did that in Runaway Bride as well. So Gary Marshall is a huge fan of Julia Roberts throwing in, you know, three days of rain for the Broadway play that julia roberts and bradley cooper are in together so i think he's having fun. they've been good for each other yeah he's having fun with these references it it almost seems like julia roberts is his muse or what he builds this around even though she's really not a huge part of this movie she's a big part of the budget so yes. julia roberts skip was paid eleven thousand nine hundred fifty two dollars for each word she says in this movie she only says 251 words in this movie which that is shockingly little. little uh, she has little screen time, really, when you get into it. And uh, that is a reported $3 million paycheck that she received for, for 251 words. That's astounding. But wait. Her contract also said that she gets 3% of the film's gross profits. If you'll remember, this, this place is at 24th on the year that year. And the film was a big success, especially given what kind of movie it was. She received nearly $10 million for 251 words. I mean, living the dream, I can't fault her. Yeah, that's, I mean, so, so when I said was. she and Gary Marshall are good for each other, I really mean they're very good for each other. <laughs> and anyone attached. I mean, G- Gary Marshall walked in and pitched this movie and said, I'm ready to make five times this budget. You guys good with that? And everyone put a thumbs up. And that's what they did. And that's what he did. And I think the the sad thing is his last movie, the 2016 one, whichever. Mother's Day, Mother's I Day. was the final one, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's only double. So, like, a loss for him is only doubling your money. That's, that's what he does is he makes a classic comedy that makes you a lot of money. And he did. And they do. Yep. Yeah, I think, I think Gary Marshall knew that he was late in his career. And there's a sense of... Is this and it's super ambitious? No, I mean because I mean I think Chad and I have talked off air about this one. 
Um, we can get into the comparison. It is derivative of Love Actually, for sure. No doubt about it. But, I mean, if you like Love Actually, you're probably going to like this. And if you like Gary Marshall, you're going to like this as well. So I can easily see where Gary Marshall just said, late in his career, I think that looks like fun. I can bring all the people I've worked with together over the years in, and we're going to have a good old time. And you know what? That's kind of a fun way to go out in the end of your career. And so he did it three times with diminishing returns each time. But I mean, I'll be honest with you. I, there is an optimism in this movie and in a brighter tone throughout this than you have in Love Actually. So I, I, I think if you like one of those, you're going to like the other one. Not, I, I prepared myself and I've set Chad up. Chad, you're going to come back and defend Love Actually uh, vehemently and say that I'm, I'm being mean to it. But um, Yeah, both my wife and I would agree that Love Actually is the far superior movie. This isn't very good. I, Brian, I think, would fall in the same category. We we will go to bat for Love Actually. It's thoroughly well done. This directly rips a lot of plot lines from Love Actually down to the child love interest and things like that. It has the the plane ride, the visitation. It it has the cheating angles, all, all of those plot lines. So there's a lot of recycling done here, and it's done worse. Now, to your point, Russell, you you like happiness, and love actually is a little down. And it ends on a down note, to be perfectly honest, of a friend telling someone else's wife that he loves her, and he basically walks away. This one, you know, there's no such consequences. Everyone pretty much gets their happy ending, except for uh, Emma Roberts' boyfriend. <laughs> that was well said. Yes. Well, I mean, well he made, I mean, he. he I'm, I'm gonna not say what I was thinking. <laughs> no, that's really good, though. I mean, and that is why I do come here and say, like, I would rather rewatch this in Love Actually, and you nailed it on the head, Chad. Love Actually's kind of got some, like, there's some heavy moments, like the moments of like that. That movie has like themes of infidelity or regretting with who you're with in some cases, and there's definitely some hilarious like scenes in there, like where just a guy decides to go to Wisconsin because they must have hot girls there. Like, I'm, <laughs> like I mean, so th- there's definitely some stuff I like about Love Actually, but I mean, some of it, some of it pulls at you a little bit hard, and this movie has got nothing challenging in it like that. This movie mm-hmm. even takes the subject of infidelity and somehow it's still funny. Like, I mean, she, she serves him a platter of a lying, stinking pig and, um, you know, puts him on the spot in front of his wife. And it's just like, it's like, I'm enjoying this, watching him sweat. <laughs> Shirley McLean's was easily resolved, though. It was weird. She didn't apologize at all for it during that movie scene where she's watching herself act, which was that was kind of cool. And Hector L was on to like, yeah, she's still hot to uh, Topher Grace. That was, that, was cute. That, w- that was a good scene. But she came up and she's just like, you have to accept it. You have to accept me. I'm like, you you just cheated. You probably should start with, I'm sorry. It was a very strange moment for me. But th- they did have a, a built up love. But there's only so much time you can dedicate to this stuff. This movie was already, it was well over two hours. Right. The moral here is that if you're uh, if you're 40 or younger or if you're successful, that, uh, you know, like when you're young, uh, taking like action on the cheater is fine. And if you're old, it doesn't matter. 
<laughs> That's the moral here, right? Oh, Grant, uh, let's let's not oh, use Justin, their Justin, actors' Justin, names. Dustin stepped it up. We got serious all of a sudden. I was I was having Gary Marshall butterflies just floating mm-hmm. around me all of a sudden, but D- D- Dustin Dustin served me a sobering glass here come, of reality. Here comes big dog Dustin with his net to catch these butterflies. Listen, like the the idea that let's use their names in the movie, right? Grandma and Grandpa. <laughs> uh grandpa is like lovey-dovey and he he likes to do these like sweet little things and it seems like things are going great but like that that scene which is cool and fun is that that's what it's telling you is like oh they're old it doesn't matter whereas what's fun for the young couple is let's get our revenge there's still time that's kind of it like they don't they don't do much in terms of of like showing too much pain it's it's just like well, if we're going to do a broad Valentine's Day movie with a whole lot of different storylines, let's have one with a good ending and one with a bad ending. Let's do one. Let's let's involve a teen storyline. Oh, actually, two teen storylines. Let's get a kid one in here. Like, there's just a little too much, and because of that, we're spread too thin. So, uh, am I going to say that I would like to see a little more pain from Hector Elizondo's character and a little more like uh, asking for forgiveness from uh, Grandma? Yeah actually but we're not we don't have a movie long enough to do that with this much star power i think it's funny you guys are talking about the storyline so much Uh, this brings me to my next question what was your favorite storyline in this because i'm not gonna lie watching hector alexander uh uh sorry yeah hector alessandro you man dustin says that smooth elizondo not alessandro hector alessandro oh thank you um you're not as smooth when you do it, Chad. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. My. Sorry. Anyway, when Hector Elizondo, uh, uh, his and Shirley MacLaine's story, I just wanted to stay in their household. I thought they were great grandparents. They were hilarious to watch dealing with the teenager component of this. I wanted to actually see them when Julia Roberts came in the house. I just wanted to live right there. Like that was my favorite. That was my that was my favorite epicenter of this. Were they great grandparents? They lost the kid. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, the kids I mean they were they were life. able to talk frankly with I, I meant great in terms of the humor, uh-huh. sorry. Like like I was entertained by that. Fair enough. No, not 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 that they're not like, oh man, I wish they were my grandparents. They're so great. And I don't mean great grandparents like they were the parents of my grandparents. I mean like they were great <laughs> as in they were funny. Yeah. I mean for me it was the Topher Grace Anne Hathaway relationship. But even that was a bit strange like Anne Hathaway is just blowing off their date to go have phone sex (laughs) sex. (laughs) and and she's she's not apologizing for that again it's like you have to accept people for who they are it's like you could just you know put your phone on silent if you're going out and agreed on a date with someone and not have phone sex I don't think but wait a minute he pushed he put he pushed her into a date at a short notice that she she didn't plan for and that's a very busy working day for her. She said yes, and her busy working day was as a temp secretary. Uh, so <laughs> here's, here's the thing about that one. I also think that was the most fun relationship to follow. Uh, Topher's 25. He's from Indiana. Um, Muncie, Indiana. Turns out mattering. Shout out to Muncie. They really pile on the Indiana stuff early, and it's throwaway lines until they turn it into, me being from Indiana makes me different. Right. There's a, and, which is uh, stupid. <laughs> it's hypocritical because they've hopped into bed pretty early in their relationship, too. So, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. if he's if he's such a good, wholesome, like, I can't do anything outside of the lines too much, he slept with her before he even knew what she did for a living. I mean, they, they, they really hadn't been dating as a serious item. So that's, that's, to some degree, an inconsistency there. Well, there's another thing, too, is that she's a struggling actress. 
That's true. her job. That's true. And and, and that's why it, like it's, it takes kind of a second rewatch to get these these little pieces that uh, don't contribute too much, but it does give you greater context after the fact. Uh, like like he, he, she has a uh, she does the temp work. She's a struggling actress, and but but like the the phone sex thing is like the the third thing. Uh, now I'm not I'm not at all going to bat for her like ditching the date to take the call. I mean I'm not I'm not a monster, <laughs> but, but but like hey uh, you know we we have to get behind our uh, our sort of evolving sex positivity, particularly with sex workers making the money where they can and how they can. So uh, that that was something that I felt like didn't hold up. But I still to go back to the what like. To the beginning, I still thought their little relationship, their like togetherness, their feelings, that felt the most fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, Russell, your answer was grandma and grandpa. My answer and Chad's answer, I think, is that relationship is the most fun. Well, my favorite part of the storyline hits yours right at, at the intersection of a botanical gardens tour. So, uh, you know, you that's get... a graveyard. Yeah. Yeah. That Sorry. was strange. <laughs> Big right, difference. It was a graveyard. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Let's talk about how fun it is to go uh, to a Valentine's Day movie showing at a graveyard. Right? I think Chad would be into that, though. I would not. No. Nope. Oh, you're Mr. <laughs> Horror Movie. You're Mr. Halloween Guy. Yes, I respect the dead, and I have watched too many movies where they come back. Right on, man. I'm absolutely with you. What's the line? That, that thing happens. I'm stunned. I'm stunned that at That happens this, man. at the graveyard so that Gary Marshall can have his writer insert the line, Step on the grass, not the bodies. Right. Yuck, yuck, yuck. Okay, let's make another million dollars. <laughs> Hardware honey goes nuts and bolts. Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Let's let I, I gotta I gotta say this. I found a stunning lack of jokes like that in this movie. We were too busy trying to get our good screen time for all of our actors. There weren't. It wasn't as fast paced or you know pun centric or like like i didn't have as many jokes in this movie as our previous uh gary marshall watch did you guys feel that that same way about like it's almost as if like we he's evolved the way he makes movies he did he did kind of change a little bit uh i did catch a lot of marshallisms or references to his previous work and i'm not even that well versed with the, the library of his work chad probably would saw more than i saw in there but i mean I don't know. I thought Gary Marshall was setting up his own little multiverse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Women, do you not like the MCU? Well, we have the right MCU for you. The Marshall Cinematic Universe. <laughs> yes. Well, it really was. Yeah. I mean, he's bringing back the Beverly Wilshire from Pretty Woman. Like, that's, he's just bringing in all these things for fans of Gary Marshall to point at and say, oh, it's like the Leonardo DiCaprio meme with the drink pointing at things. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of that. Same with Runaway Bride when he brings in a League of Their Own hats and things like that. There, there are Easter eggs. But to your point, Dustin, I don't I don't think he had time to do the sitcom punny type stuff that if this were a singular coherent story, he he dwells there. That's where yeah. he resides. And that's fine. Home. But he just he didn't have time, I don't think. Yeah, and that's not to take away from the some the, the few that are or the the I guess I can't say few, but the the ones that do remain are still pretty fun. There are some good one-liners, but yeah, I just I found that like a, a tonal shift, and it was of course you know fourteen years later, but like I I just saw it's just a slightly different filmmaking, which was kind of cool to see. Yeah. Now, what which one? Let's let's go the opposite direction. Which one of these storylines 
did you not like? Because I think a lot of the people came back and said that this was too um, too packed. Two hours might be too much for me. And Love Actually might have been my saturation point, and this movie takes more storylines and adds to it. So if you were to pare it down and say, we're going to cut some here, where would you cut? Or would you? Chad? Small child. Oh, gosh, this was coming. Oh, man. We could... This kid is adorable. He, he is not. Nah, he's, he's named bad too. Yes, and we li- and then he's got, we learned- he's got the hots for Jennifer Garner as teacher, which is totally reasonable. I and mean, he, come on, he can't do math. He's supposed to be like twelve years old, which is yeah, unreasonable. No, he plays that bad math to his advantage. He underpays and gyps the flower, the florist. He's smart. Yeah, he can he can read that sign. Before I was like, okay, maybe the kid's eight or nine. They mentioned that he is twelve. I'm like, what is happening? This kid's a cheat. I don't like him. And his his female friend is into all the same things. It also shows that he's a little dumber, too, because 12 is way too old for the fifth grade, because they also say he's in the fifth grade. Right. So he must have been held back a couple of times. He's a little dummy. And here's another <laughs> thing. Um, kudos to Ashton Kutcher's character, whose name is maybe Reed. I don't know. Uh, for doing the thing Stick that I would do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so a uh, little kid comes up and says, I want to buy this stupid card, and here's some money. I also want these dozen roses sent to a girl at my school. And he does what I think the smartest thing is to do is just to nod and smile and like pretend and then lie to the kid and not do it. Just go away from me, kid. Go away from me. He took his money though. He did. He did do it. It what? fell oh, out of the man, flower Dustin, truck. Man, you, you and Chad are kindred spirits. Man, you you are you're on the tough on kids uh, yeah. side of here. This kid is is adorable, and that's my. I'm gonna plant a flag on that one here. Dare to be tough on kids. My my uh, couple that I take out is the other team. The the the. Ones who are planning to end their virginity. Oh, that's we gotta so keep, funny. I, I think we got to keep the Taylors in. That, no. That's the, uh, but I, I'm going to go with, if we have to lose one, I ditch the, I ditch the ones who are planning their virginity. We already had an entire series of movies about this. It was called American Pie. It was done perfectly, and it can never be done better. Why include this? Gary Marshall, you're out of your element. Uh, you don't need to try to get the teenagers to watch this movie. They're already going to go to the movies. There's not many things they can do. You don't need to include an extra teenage line. It takes too long, and uh, yeah, we don't we don't need it. I'll sign on to that, but you have to cut the Taylors as well. That's fine. Like, okay, yeah, yeah, teams. yeah. Oh yeah, uh, one to twins go. If yeah, I had to cut one, it's, to. It's, to me, it's one of the ones that shows the passage of time because uh, this all happens in one day, which is part of the magic of the movie. Jamie Foxx's character is a news reporter covering love, and he ends up going to the I don't love love party by Jessica Biel. Personally. This is just the one that didn't inspire me the most. I didn't feel, I didn't, like, I mean, I like Jamie Foxx. I like Jessica Biel. There's nothing not to love. Again, there's lots of beautiful people in this movie, but this story just didn't connect with me as much. Oh, I'm, I'm with you that Jamie Foxx is playing like a watered-down version of, of uh, a cool character he would play. But what does he say early on? Hey, I'm a player. Oscar winner, <laughs> Jamie Foxx. But, but, but I turn off my playerness. From New Year's to St. Patrick's Day, because I can't afford this day. I, I think he's under, like, I'm going to say underused, but I'm going to say he's underwritten. They, they, don't, they don't give him the breadth of, a, uh, of how cool he could be, that he's, I guess, kind of lame. But I do like the idea of, of, of them, like, I, I like them kind of coming together, her, him, and, him and Jessica Biel, who uh, eats too much candy. I just, realized, I just realized I cut the token black guy. I just, made, I just made the movie all white on accident. Come on, just now. dude. That is, no, there, yeah. no, there's plenty of stereotypical Asian representation uh, in the first five minutes. We have uh, so George Lopez. He oh, thank you, thank you. Oh, speaking gosh, of yeah. stereotypes, I, yeah. yeah. I, 
Yeah. <laughs> that was strictly mentioned on the uh, on, on. I like Jamie Fox. He's a good actor. So that I was love not Jamie Fox. I was not trying to whiten this already very white movie. <laughs> yeah. At least George Lopez says the thing that he would never say on his own show, which was uh, his very first line. Yeah, man, I was preparing for the worst. You know, immigrant mentality. What? George Lopez? What? Come on, I mean, man. it's George I Lopez. I, this is, this is typical of his this. type of material, though. This was a chance for him. This was an opportunity for him to step out of his stereotype, and he did not. Instead, he leaned back in. That's okay. He's always going to have his audience. Same with Fluffy, Gabriel Iglesias. Same with a lot of these other guys. Mind of Mencia. These guys just kind of lean into it because it sells. Oh, I had hoped for so much more. <laughs> you placed your hopes in George Lopez. I mean, that's on you. <laughs> See, <laughs> si, my primo, my guy, my my guy. I tried. Yeah, but uh, speaking of Jamie Foxx being an Oscar winner, there are sixteen ask, acting Oscars in this cast here. <laughs> just, just, just to un- understand the integrity that we have here. I mean, most of them were Shirley MacLaine, weren't they? Oh, um, oh, I, di- I didn't come prepared to do the whole countdown. Listen, no, you love know. lists, and if you fail to do a list, you have failed our listeners. Yeah, Mr. List. Um, Russ, here's your host, Russell List. Yes. I'm, you're, you're asking a good question. Uh, Kathy where, Bates is in it for a cup of coffee. She's in it for a minute and ten seconds. Right. That's true. Yep. Uh, who again, else do we got? Bradley Cooper. Uh, Bradley Coopstown. Love, I, hey, as far as, like, satisfying Does endings to the loop, yes. isn't that maybe the most satisfying ending is is that he? Chad, does Taylor Lautner have a uh, Oscar? Sorry, the werewolf <laughs> does, does not. He has many Razzies, or at least nominations. He's collecting them Razzies. Yes, uh, I thought that was really satisfying to have Bradley Cooper be quarterback man's partner. Uh, I thought that was sweet. That was progressive. Uh, I did think it was like I don't know, like brushing the flower on his sleeping face. Like, I didn't particularly love that, but I did love that, like, hey, these two handsome men are, are getting it on, and I love it. That seems like like you're going to have that now, like, but this is, like, that period of time where we're coming out of, like, it really wasn't, like, the, at the O's, like, there was a lot of discomfort with that in, you know, media, and now it's, like, all over the place on TV to the point where it's just, like, you can't have a TV show without having, you know you know, GLBTQ representation in there. So this is yeah. actually, it's kind of, this is, this, you're you're kind of getting at that pivot point here in the early uh, tens here. Well, Jamie Foxx still has that line. He, he's like, I stand behind him. Metaphorically, that That's is. That's a funny line. That's so, a pretty good line. So you still have that culture of, okay, here, here's this tough guys. Like, yeah, I'm going to celebrate them sort of. In a... Yeah, I believe that was the year that Don't Ask, Don't Tell was actually, uh, I'm not going to say struck down, but it was uh, removed. That was an Obama era policy. Like that, that was that, that you're right in terms of pivot point. And maybe like I would say maybe 2010 is a little late for that, but perfect for like dipping your toe into the progressive water for the age of Gary Marshall fans. One alternative recasting, because I, I was disappointed there wasn't more alternative recasting. I expected to spend a good 20 minutes on alternative recast. With oh, this there's movie, a but ton, man. Th- 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 there's not. Well, there are some, but I mean, uh, pretty much instead of alternatively recasting, they just found another role for the person, I think is what happened. But um, one of my favorite ones was Rachel McAdams was considered instead of Jessica Alba for for the for the character of Morley. And I, I um, not that I don't like Jessica Alba, I, I do, but um but for other reasons, Rachel McAdams, though, is um, she would be so good in this kind of like uh, snobby character. Like bring bring that mean girls, bring the mean girls act back. Yeah. 
Yeah. I've got something to say. Justin, it needs to be okay. said. Okay, so uh, Jessica Alba, I think, looks better as a brunette. Yes. That's the first Oh, yeah, that, that's mm-hmm. not a hot take at all. The second thing is we have happy endings for just about everybody, I think, except for Mick Steen. Not Patrick Dempsey. Mick Dream- <laughs> Patrick Dempsey. Thank yes, you. I, I didn't know which one. He doesn't have a happy ending, and he shouldn't have one. No. No. But I love the idea that, first of all, we know in the very beginning scene, Morley, Jessica Alba's character, does not say yes. And then later, she's not wearing the ring. And then in the same day, she says, my heart's not in it. I'm, not, I'm focused on myself. I'm not focused on us. That's maybe one of the bravest things that a woman put on the spot in a scenario to say yes or no to the rest of her life could do, is to give you a real answer within hours. And, and even so, to, to, to go back on what the supposed answer was. That's a happy ending for her, too. And it's a happy ending for Ashton Kutcher, even if he didn't find love in his best friend. The best case scenario is if a wedding is, if a marriage isn't going to work, is 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 either divorce or you just should have said the right answer. And she said the right answer, right? So I don't feel as if she's like. Uh, she said she's focusing on her career. They did not need to add the extra stuff about like, a, oh, and plus the horrible thing with my parents divorcing. Like that, it doesn't matter. Honey, you say what you want. You, I love that it was written that way. She can just say no and it should be okay. That's kind of my wow, like d- d- yeah, real Dustin, Dustin has the back, this character was not made to be particularly likable, but I, you, you're coming to her defense. Now, she this. did take the dog. Yeah, she yes. took the dog. I don't love that, but she, like, she did the brave thing and told him the truth. It's a weird trope, though, because she says, "I still love you" and everything. the The trope of unless they say yes for the marriage proposal, the entire relationship is over is weird to me. If they still love each right. other, why can there not be a not yet? But you know, I right. right. I, it's uh, a I think she was movie. just saying that she's just not that into him like you like you know like maybe this has run its course and i'm sorry that you didn't know this but i've noticed this we did almost get another gray's anatomy Catherine heigl was considered for the for a role but she had ridiculous salary demands they dropped her well they paid Mm. him in new year's they paid him in new year's day she's in that one i don't think i don't think she's one of the more likable characters in that one but in fairness i don't like her in a lot of the roles that she does this is the correct take and julia styles was considered for just about everything sandra bullock turned down julia roberts role jennifer aniston now, i like Foster. julia roberts in this but sandra bullock would have been good for that too yeah but the plane would have to be going so fast and they couldn't slow down <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, there's i found Speed a ton forward. like elizabeth banks being considered for the jessica alba role sam worthington jake gyllenhaal orlando bloom turning down the role of holden which was bradley cooper's role no, uh, it was Eric Dane's role. The no, Sean Jackson is Aaron, Eric Dane's role. So Worthington no, was also he also turned down that one. Jimma Arterton. These names are these names are super generic and difficult. You are right, Dustin. Except Sorry. for Morley. Yeah, that's the one we can remember because it's not generic. It's the first person you name. In fairness, like that's the first name that you hit. So Dustin's capacity just went out the window after the first one. <laughs> totally. Arterton being considered for the Emma Roberts Grace Smart role that seems way too old. Wait a minute, now she would have been way. I don't. That can't be. 
Yeah, she was considered. Katie Cassidy was considered for Taylor Swift's role, which, yes, please. That's a black canary on Arrow. Taylor's so good at this. I, I, I oh, can't no. imagine. Oh, no. But, dude, she's I, playing I, a ditzy like cheerleader. Like, I mean... She's, I dislike. She's, like uh, she's her. not a cheerleader. She's on the dance team. Yes, I dislike her already. So this... <laughs> thank you, Dustin R- Russell. I'm with you here. Actually, this was refreshing for me uh, to see Taylor Swift and Taylor Lautner. Let's let's use Taylor Swift's language here to see Taylor Swift playing the type of team that she sells her audience on who she was slash is, even though she wasn't, and being cringy and unwatchable and get her off the screen because that's exactly what she's supposed to be. I mean, I was teetering on best act, best supporting here because what she did was exactly what like she was supposed to be. And Taylor was a good uh, Taylor Lautner was a good like counterpart to that. Did I like them? Nah. But was it exactly what it needed to be? I think so. Okay, yeah. Gary Marshall is a director here, though. We we have we kind of it's interesting. This is probably the most fluid podcast we've ever done with director acting and all the stuff that gets talked about at the same time. But Gary Marshall, did is it too much chaos? Is he not bringing enough order to it? Is he not showing enough restraint? Because I'll be honest with you, most people say that this movie is over cramped, over long, and just it's just too much. But given what he's got to cover, I actually think he keeps pretty well track of it. I'm not getting confused with who's who other than the names. Don't ask me to remember any of the character names. But, I mean, again, we're going to see a big list of actors. That's inherent with a template of movie. People come out of there, and they're definitely going to say the actors' names. So, I mean... Right. Yeah, I actually am not going to criticize Gary Marshall too much on this one. It's a a pretty movie as well. Like, it makes... I don't think Los Angeles is technically the most dreamiest amazing town it has an amazing collection of modern houses in it but uh, as far as the city goes this movie makes los angeles look way nicer than it is to me and way emptier it was very strange for all these people to keep running into each other like there do you know how many millions of people are in the la metro area like this is just unlikely uncanny to to your point russell i i think this was too ambitious there really did need to be i think where dustin and i are arriving is like a 20 year old cutoff anyone under the age of 20 you're axed you're out of this movie yeah and we could have spent a little more time developing the other characters get them out of two-dimensional land and the teenagers are still gonna see it they're still gonna see this movie because of the star power so yeah i think the critics are dead on he bit off more than he could chew. There's a ton of star power, a ton of people demanding screen time, and you've got to make do with what you have for that. I, I don't think anyone could have done better with what he was given, but, hmm. you know, it's just, it's overcasted. Interesting. Like, so, like, well, let's talk about another big ensemble comedy that we that we covered with Rat Race. I mean, there's fewer people and there's a lot of weaving back and forth in that one. And it's very, very, very funny. Do you believe that there was... And obviously this is not a slapsticky and... It's not meant to bust a gut. There's, there's, this is supposed to be more heartwarming. So you feel like this movie is just going to be ultimately be effective by trimming off, you know, maybe two stories or something like that. More effective than it is. There's okay. a reason for Rat Race for them to all come together and for them all to interweave. Rat Race is a masterclass of how to do it. So I can't speak highly enough of that movie, 
But yeah, what we have here is just too complex versus stealing a bus full of I Love Lucy impersonators. Now, Dustin, there's another one that you recommended to me that comes out the very following year after this, and that's Crazy Stupid Love. That's another large cast, and there's a lot of weaving, and there's a lot of aha moments. I find that those aha moments are highly rewarding, and the characters are extremely well-developed. Uh, is it unfair? Obviously, there are different classes of movie. That one was nominated for an Oscar. Uh, do you feel like that's a better, like, okay, like... If you trim it down and show more restraints and develop your characters, this is what you can have. Yes, and I, I I don't want to spend too much time comparing it to a different movie. I mean, even even if it's just four to six fewer, then we like we we just sort of open our space for what can be done. Uh, when I was thinking about how do you make this movie successful, and we already kind of came up with that rule of. Like, all right, if you're 20 or under, get that plot line out of there. Here's what I want to say about about what the goal of this movie was. Gary Marshall knew what he was doing. And I don't think he would look at this and say, like, oh, man, I could have done that better. I think what he was trying to do was similar to what I had said about when we talked about our 2011 best of list. And I said, let's talk about this movie called The Raid. And I said, there's no plot. You don't know any characters' names. You don't care. You don't need them. What you're there for is kung fu, shooting, action, amazing, wrapped up in an hour and a half. You're good. And then Brian said that that is everything. Brian Fry said that's everything he ever needed in his whole life. <laughs> and 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 that's and that movie delivers. This movie delivers some fun moments and some cool interactions. And the the like a few of the wrap ups at the end do make you go oh cool nice cool, but uh, the the main thing is like that's all he needed to do in order to make money. He didn't need to make a complete film. He didn't need to uh, spend time trimming it down. He didn't need to like the end goal wasn't to make this something that would be like maybe closer to a masterpiece like like Crazy Stupid Love. Or something that that was worthy of good accolades as opposed to the poor accolades this movie got. It didn't matter. That's not the he, kind of movie Gary Marshall makes. In puts butts in seats. Right? He, like Gary, you don't get Gary Marshall to make crazy, stupid love for you. It puts it puts butts in seats, and it made a lot of money, and it got on this podcast, this hit podcast. So like that's kind of <laughs> kind of where we're at. I don't expect anything more from him, really, except for maybe to have you know wrapped it up a little tighter. Yeah, like that's I, I it's not that it's unfair cuz it, it's it's just that like these two goals are separate. You know what I want to okay, so this is a fun little mini segment. If you're, if you're Gary Marshall and okay. and the Hollywood producers come to you and say, "We got to put a few more people in here and one more storyline into this." And you're Gary Marshall, so you're going to say, "Sure. What one thing would you inject into this that was missing?" Apparently more Grey's Anatomy characters. I, okay, you're going to pay Katherine Heigl and get her in this movie. Yeah, either that or the nurse. I don't know her name or even Meredith Grey herself. Get her in and let's throw in, you know, who else was really hot in 2010 that we really just force fed and don't do anymore. Uh, Sam Worthington. Sam Worthington and Katherine Heigl. We'll throw them in. Okay. Yeah. What should they, what, what 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 do they do in your in your Gary Marshall universe? <laughs> the Gary Marshall verse. They're doctors. 
Oh, that's that's good. <laughs> I like it. I like it. You're good at this, Chad. Dustin, what what can you do? What can you do? Okay, I've got two. The heart doctor is the bad guy. Let's yeah. have the heart doctor be a good guy and switch who the bad guy is to someone else. Because I think you could have a lot of fun with the idea of repairing hearts as being like, uh, you know, Doctor Strange was a surgeon before he became what he was. The Sorcerer so Supreme. The, let's, have, let's have the heart surgeon become like a guy who's like a modern day Cupid that fixes relationships. Let's so do something else. He's Hitch. So he's Hitch. Oh, Will Smith in this movie. Okay. Thank um, you. All right. Hey, oh. we're working. We, we got the ball rolling now. Let's keep yeah. going. All right. There uh, is I, the... Uh, oh, go, oh, go ahead. No, wait. Hey, no. Russell, you introduced this brand new segment. You're just going to stop me? All right. So right. we have uh, the radio voice. Who's The radio voice is like Captain Midnight or some stupid... Romeo something. Midnight. Romeo Midnight, right? Let's get, let's get his storyline. Like, he's actually the love Ooh, I like guru, this. but he's <laughs> in a failing marriage and, like, uh, his husband is actually... Like, he works at the flower shop, too. Okay, so it's a little more chaos there. Um, and then what else can we do? There was a third one. I, I, let's do, uh, ah, I know what it was. This is about making money. We only have a minute and ten seconds with Julia Roberts in active duty uniform. If we want more of a cash grab, we include an army wife, a military wife at home who's dealing with the, the pressures of being alone, having a, a small support group, having her husband or wife be deployed. Uh, you market that even a little bit, and you increase this by $40 million in the box office. I want you guys to know right now you have a movie that's better than New Year's Day already um, in the works, <laughs> and, you good, and you guys should be highly paid for your efforts. And my contribution to this what-if scenario. I um, agree. I should be much higher paid. <laughs> whatever we pay you here at retro movie roundtable chad double it great <laughs> so um so the uh my contribution here is going to be the kid can't get across town to get the flowers to his teacher so uh you know he's kind of in that venice beach area we see that through all the canals and stuff like that I want a boat ride for him to get across town because L.A. is swamped with traffic. And so he takes a boat ride, and his boat ride is being driven by Kurt Russell and his bickering wife, Goldie, Goldie Hawn. Hawn, because Overboard is a Gary Marshall reference. Yes. And I want a daughter, played by Kate Hudson, apologizing for their constant bickering as they take the kid to, their, to his destination. And then the kid falls overboard. To complete not, the joke. not that part. Not that and, part. And yeah, this was Goldie this Hahn was... could actually Goldie Hahn could also fall off the boat as a nice touch there. So yes. <laughs> there, I, I the... I'm diving deeper into this Gary Marshall verse, and I want my favorite Gary Marshall film, Overboard, represented. Normally the member of this podcast to involve like TV series would be Brian Fry. But uh, there's an excellent, like what you just described about like there's too much traffic, we have to use a boat to get across town. Uh, there was a, a great uh, episode of the show It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia called Thunder Gun Express, <laughs> yes. where this must be done in a matter of words, and it's very satisfying. So, Russell, I think you struck gold here, too. Bonuses and, all around, boys. I was going to say, we all are better at writing 
this movie than whoever wrote New Year's Day for Gary Marshall. Uh, this is not a video platform, but the way you were holding your glass of water kind of looked like a glass of champagne. I yes. thought you were toasting us. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. No, that was. I thought that was more of a Kermit, like, uh, the screenwriters for New the Year's Lipton Day weren't tea. very good, and we'd probably do a better job, but that's none of my business. And that's the tea. <laughs> Listen, Hollywood executives, if you need screenwriters, contact Retro underscore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. We're um, here. And, that was a fun I, I bet segment. you can afford us. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was a fun little segment. A nice little bit of headcanon there. Um, but I think Chad was texting me about this off offhand of like, you know, I was saying like Gary Marshall, uh, what he is known for. And Chad actually said like he's really a TV guy. Segwaying to what you were saying, Dustin. I mean, he, he did Odd Couple TV show. Um, you know, there's 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 Mark and Mindy Laverne Shirley credits here and there and there. And, um, you know, it's not just the movies. And I'll be honest with you, like the um, there's a sitcomness to this. And if you lower your expectations again, I feel like this movie was being dumped on. You need to take it for what it is and and That's just say true. it's about seeing the stars overlapping with each other and that's what this is about did you get it in love actually yeah but did did the world get enough of that i'm not sure they did because they clearly showed up to do this and then for some unexplicable reason they didn't follow the warnings and they showed up for new year's day and mother's day but um Mm. you know i feel like gary marshall is setting a light tone and i like that that it's it's an unchallenging format none of the characters get developed in any of this stuff and you know that's okay because gary marshall's saying like we're not here for the story. We're really not here for... It's just, I'm here to make you feel good, and it's done with optimism. And Gary Marshall brings the optimism in this movie. So that's why I want to credit him. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. He's, I would argue Laverne and Shirley is a well-done sitcom. Odd Couple is a well-done sitcom that, sitcom that still has something to say. So, you know, it's... What Dustin said is he's not being challenged here. He's, it's not his job to make crash. It's not his job to make crazy, stupid love. It's his job right. to make crazy, stupid money. And he did that. And he does. Yeah. And, and in fairness, there was a brilliant notion here. When you look up Valentine's Day movies, this one comes up like, you know, I, um, I just added, like, I'm on. Wait, Facebook. you're kidding me. If you look up Valentine's Day movie, that the movie called yeah. Valentine's Day comes right. up. Right. Right, but I'm just saying, like, not as many movies, like, surface. I mean, obviously, Christmas is super saturated, and the fact that, like, Love Actually has resonated for people like Chad as much as it has, I mean, shows that it had to go a long way to carve itself out in a very saturated holiday movie season. I mean, whereas Valentine's Day, it certainly comes around every year. It's wintertime. People like to cozy up, and, you know, people like to watch movies together and stuff like that. The date movie is, is, is totally a thing. And there are there haven't been a lot of exploitations of that, I should say. And they they might have simply tapped into a holiday that people needed. I mean, I mean, it worked for Groundhog Day. It worked for Groundhog Day. If you want to watch a movie on Groundhog Day, there's there's definitely a movie for you. Halloween. And it's, a, and it's fantastic. Halloween is an excellent example. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, listeners, uh, 4th of July. Were you born on it? Yeah, if you uh, want to celebrate America. I might out. stick with Independence Day on that one. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, okay, fine. Uh, hey, <laughs> six in one hand, half a dozen in the other. 110% less catheters in Independence Day. <laughs> but there are, there are no sad, depressing wheelchair fights. 
Not, yeah. <laughs> Not enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, that got derailed. <laughs> That's what we do. Yes. That's what we do. Again, Dustin, Chad and I started talking about the L.A. world a little bit here. Did you like it? Yeah, I um, I, I will say it's bright and um, like, like there, there wasn't any about there are different locales that like uh, seemed off. Like it, I, I, got, I thought it was like I, I thought their their little world, which as we know, LA is huge. LA County, but you know, is, is also huge. And yeah, it might be unlikely these people run into one another, but I mean, we have we have apartments, we have townhouses or condos where Ashton lives. We've got big, giant, like Beverly Hills styles houses because uh, that's where our heart surgeon lives. Like we go to a lot of places and um, like uh, even even like just different shots, like quick shots of like these fountains bursting or these uh, it's very you know, the people walking down. Like we see we see a lot of this. And so it just kind of makes you you're not going to say at all that the uh, that the city is in any way part of the movie. Like other movies, I don't I, think so. I don't know. I feel like I feel like they are like I mean, dropping you all. I guess I don't know. I just feel like there is a very, like I said, this is very flattering of Los Angeles. I, I'm surprised that he made it seem as picturesque and dreamy and utopian as it is. I feel like Chicago or New York would have been a more natural fit for what they were trying to do to just load up the city full of charm. But they were able to get. ABC, ESPN, Disney. They were able to get ESPN personalities. They were able to get Mike and Mike in the morning. They were able to get Hannah Storm. Hannah Storm, yeah. Mm-hmm. They didn't have a team associated with quarterback man. They could have. Could of course, have. in 2010, there wasn't an L.A. football team. But the thing is... San Diego's there. Oh, right. And that, the, the kind of the sad thing about San Diego fans is that they're like, there are more fans not in San Diego than in San Diego. But, but what I'm getting at is, did this need to be in L.A. at all? No, That's what I was saying. I, I think it would have benefited from putting this in Chicago or New York. Could, Given I that think, New Year's Day yeah. like capitalized on New York, I'm going to say, let's go to Chicago. Sure, sure. I mean, but the brightness of it and the smallness of it made it seem like you didn't need this to be in any big town at all. Yeah. Oh, okay. Have... You're going with the uh, small town vibe. Okay. Hear me yeah, out. Sort of like what we Fargo. Got. Oh, go ahead, Chad. Fargo, North Dakota. <laughs> hey, yeah. I don't know with all these beautiful with... people. I think he's traveled to Wisconsin. Yes. Yes, the, that's hard. a love actually throwback. The to land the of beautiful women, Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> give give the next holiday multi star little like laugh fest to the Coen Brothers. Let's see what they do with it. Okay, what do you think about the music here, Chad? Unoffensive, I think is the word I'm, I'm going to use. It's it's not very Pleasant. intrusive. Uh, I like Foreigner, Nat King Cole, even Tupac's represented. I will say I found the Taylor Swift inclusion frustrating. Like, is this the reason she signed on for this movie to get her obnoxious love story? Well, you're not going to put her in the movie and not put her on the soundtrack at this point in her career. I mean, you could at least put like, some of her good songs on the soundtrack. I actually think, and I'm going to incriminate myself further. As far as Taylor Swift goes, this song "Today Was a Fairy Tale" is not so bad. Like, I hard disagree, but for the sake of the show, move on. <laughs> I'm just gonna have to shake that off, Chad. That's that was funny. I really liked how you did that. Did you know that in the movie Transformers, sorry, in the in the world of Transformers, that there's another planet called Garbotron? Have you heard this before? I have not. That's no. where this soundtrack comes from. It's <laughs> Garbo. 
<laughs> well, you're right. It does, it's unoffensive. Dustin does, does, does is not, not enjoying awful. this. Yeah. Yeah, it's not it's not enjoyable. It's, it's I also want to point to the Amy Winehouse cover of Sam Cooke's Cupid. I did not enjoy that. That that did not make me happy. Amy Winehouse would not like that she, her name is included with this movie. I also don't hate Michael Franti's uh, "Say Hey" that this opens up with. That's just kind of a feel good vibe. I thought we were in Miami very briefly, and I was like, oh, this is this is the Venice area. Of, this movie's know. way different in Miami. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That movie, that song put me in too good of a mood to be in L.A. at that point. I've crapped all over L.A. here. This, this, is my, this is my hating of the Lakers showing through, I guess. Yeah, it would have been fun. They, had the, they probably had the ability to have uh, some, some Lakers in, in this movie if they really wanted to. That would have uh, been a good touch. Was it there a movie? Yeah, I mean, like, there, there's, you know, you get, what, what, what was the one? Trainwreck? Trainwreck yeah. had LeBron James as LeBron James, right? Yeah. Like, like you could you could have done that at the time. You could have had Kobe or Derek Fisher or someone. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Eric da- Eric Dane could have like been like uh, like you know exchanging like uh, rubbing elbows like off the court like with Kobe Bryant. With, sure. Yeah, yeah. Like and, and that would have worked with uh, Queen Latifah's uh, uh, PR firm. Like that that would have worked. Like, okay, uh, okay. We <gasps> need to back up because Dustin mocked me soundly for Runaway Bride and casting Kobe Bryant in a Gary Marshall movie. But now, the, wh- and why? Because and, I wanted him in my barbershop quartet. Br- there we go. <laughs> what we know about the the two different episodes is that casting Kobe Bryant as Kobe Bryant, like at a PR form, cool. Casting Kobe Bryant as a random barbershop quartet member in an East Coast town, also cool, but for a different reason. Maybe <laughs> <no sense. laughs> all right. All right. Uh, well, <laughs> let's get into this. This is time for the awards to be handed out. Uh, this yeah. is going to be an important one. Superlative time. Dustin, why don't you start us off here? Who's your MVP? Gary Marshall is the MVP of this movie. Why? Because he made a lot of money. The real MCU. The Marshall Cinematic Universe. The Marshall Cinematic Universe. All right. Chad, Chad, who's your MVP? Anne Hathaway is Liz. I thought she was the most interesting character. She's one of the most fleshed out. She's just charming and likable, and I found myself wishing she had a much bigger part. Yeah, uh, Chad wants more phone calls specifically. Hey, the the accents she was doing, they were pretty good. I was they kind were pretty of, good. I was kind of rooting yeah. for just terrible accents, but she was doing great impressions. As a dungeon master myself, I do a lot of accents, and I was very pleased with the accents that she was doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah and Dustin's super critical of Southern accents too. Yeah, yeah, and uh, she it, passes like, the mustard test there. Well, but it's because she was doing a, you know, a particular type of Southern accent. If the movie's based in the South, then that's when you really sort of, you know, eat at my craw. I do. I do wish we had seen one call come in that was like relative to the rat race of like the tall order. That's like, you want me to do what? With what? It, where? <laughs> and how? Pepto-Bismol, sailor hats. In suspenders? Uh-huh. Okay. Baking soda? All right. <laughs> First, it's your party, man. First rule of improv, <laughs> say yes to everything. Yeah. My MVP is also going to be Anne Hathaway. Uh, she was, she did just take over any of those scenes that she had. They were very funny. I think that she had a part that was more set to get laughs quickly, but she gets them and she's very good at them. And um, I do like her character and she didn't come off as being 
too cheesy and uh, you know like the, she didn't necessarily seem like she was just passing through this movie which obviously that's literally what happened with most people so credit to her bringing her a game yep. best supporting actor which you got a lot to draw from here uh dustin it's hector elizondo only God, because say, yeah yeah you could say that smooth only because he's gary marshall's friend and they have like a like a friend deal to have him in every single one of his movies and that's and so when i see him i'm just like oh yeah there you are and his his part like was a little bit more meaningful than the last uh, hector elizondo that chad and i saw where he was right. the dude that was just cool with richard gear kissing his wife <laughs> not too far back in the runaway bride because we've already dedicated 90 minutes of airtime to it but uh, yeah he felt stapled onto that movie and he was involved here, so Hector Elizondo for me. Yeah. He's much better here than he was there. Uh, Chad, best supporting actor. I'm going to echo Dustin. He gets to give grandfatherly <laughs> yeah. advice. He's giving it to several generations, and he has sweet moments with Shirley MacLaine. That was just a fun storyline. Yeah, he needs to open up a love helpline at the end of this movie because he's handing out advice to everybody. Yeah. Which drink, drink booze in a graveyard. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm going to make it a straight sweep. This doesn't happen very often, but Hector Elizondo was, and now that we've all three said it, I say it the worst. Chad, yours isn't great, but Dustin says it best. It's not um, a hard one. <laughs> Elizondo. That's just, Elizondo. That's yeah. what it's. it's yeah, I feel fun. like this is just you, and you're trying to throw me in under the bus, but this is just your <laughs> No, yours is mediocre. I mean, it's. it's Hector Alessandro. Listen, it, it, it's never great when a white guy tries to do the Spanish inflection, so I'm not going to even do that. It feels <laughs> patronizing. So, Hector Elizondo. That's all good. right. All right, uh, but yeah, he's mine as well. His work with Shirley MacLaine and Bryce Robinson and Emma Roberts was just really great, actually. And I wanted to just stay, I just wanted the camera to stay around his character. Obviously, nobody would show up and pay millions of dollars to see the uh, Hector <laughs> Lozano vehicle, but I think I would have enjoyed it more. <laughs> um, so, Hidden Jim. Now there are there are even more people than all the standard big names that we've talked about. Like there are there are some people peppered in this movie making some pop-ins. Uh, Dustin, is there a good hidden gem here? Yeah. Uh, so the one that I want to formally submit is uh, we see the lusty flight attendant played by Aaron Matthews mm -hmm. straighten out her Valentine's Day pin uh, as her sort of introduction into the scene. And as she does, she's preparing to provide service. Who do we see in the seat nearest the lavatory? Well, it's Walter White Heisenberg himself. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. Huh? Huh? No, here's the thing. It's not Brian Cranston. It's it's not it's not him. Oh, okay. But you got the, my hopes up there. It's like it's Brian but Cranston. But it's exactly in this movie? his. It's bald white head, very thin wireframe glasses, and mustache, and he's sitting there just looking very sour. Uh, he's not having a good time, <laughs> and he's right there. Uh, my other hidden gem is they named the dog Pushkin, mm -hmm. which yeah. I don't like. I mean, when you think of Pushkin, you think of uh, Yevgeny Onegin, the famous uh, famous Russian novel by. Alexander Pushkin. I, I don't know why that was a decision instead of a simple name like Fido. But I, I guess that's somewhere there's an explanation. I don't know what it is. Well, at least they didn't give him an absurd human name like Paul. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be absurd. That would really push this over the limit. Yeah. Now, Chet, Hidden Jim. 
I went with Cleo King. She's the TSA agent who starts lecturing Ashton Kutcher's character about leaving his shoes behind as he le- <laughs> she leads him away from the gate. She just had great comedic timing. All right. One, my, mine's going to go to Kristen Schaal. She did not make the uh, poster no. for with all the beautiful people. Uh, she's one of those awkward-looking people in Hollywood who just pops into all these little uh, character roles. I, I most remember her for being Hazel on 30 Rock. 30 Rock, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Yep. And um, so she's the nervous teacher talking to Grace, uh, who's Emma Roberts' character, about her availability. And uh, she says, no, I can't do it. I'm planning on having sex with my boyfriend on that day. And mm-hmm. she's she's a very, very funny mixture of concerned, nervous, and maybe even a little bit jealous. <laughs> <laughs> she She's great, as Hazel was her name. But I, I'm glad to hear that it seems like Based on the the popularity of the show, I, I'm really hoping that Bob's Burger, she plays Louise, the daughter. I'm hoping oh, is that, that her? Oh my gosh, yeah. that is her. Yeah, she she she's she's Louise, and I'm hoping that like that kind of takes care of her for a while, the same way that like Nancy Cartwright is taking care of with The Simpsons. I'm hoping that that leads to financial success for her. Yeah, she's she's great in this, and um, uh, I didn't need more from this character, but. Everything that she gave in that scene was very funny. And that storyline that you guys wanted to cut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Affirmative. It needs to get cut. <laughs> Recast. Dustin. So Mick Steamy as Sean Jackson was fine, if not that memorable. Let's get Jeff Goldblum as our, <laughs> as our two old quarterback. Like a quarterback that's definitely over the hill, but still needs to like make headlines. I I think I immediately like this movie easily a half star more. Well, Chad knows that I like Goldblum, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna poo poo that. So yeah, I I don't know how to deal with that. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, they 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 said I will. I'm gonna retire. <laughs> I don't I don't even know how to follow that. Well, with your recast, Chad, that's how. In all caps, Taylor Swift. I I absolutely cannot stand her, and she's even worse here. Give me Amanda Seyfried. Sure. Uh, Okay. She could do it, but I just think that this was... uh... I'm I'm with, I'm with I'm with Dustin. I'm glad it was this way. Plus, it's with Taylor Lautner. They ended up becoming like a real. A real item that that makes it even funnier like like as they were a celebrity couple you couldn't help but look at them like this movie apparently so. but then they broke up and she wrote a song about him that's how i mean that's how the business works so no no all of this Just cut her part entirely all right i'm gonna uh, recast dane, the casting director eric dane Ooh. is who i'm coming at as well with along with dustin there um oh, poor uh, steamy Yes. Uh, and Sean Jackson uh, is the football character that I'm referring to here. I want to put Brett Favre in here. He okay. was really fun and something about Mary. And this is the year he actually retires. And he was always on the fence. Do I retire? Do I not retire? I actually think that he um, has shown enough, uh, I should say, acting, whether it be through ads, commercials, or whatever. Uh, he's one of those He's one of those people not quite as good as Peyton Manning for, like, Peyton Manning's actually really good in acting moments, but he does have a charisma that I think is at least equal to Eric Danes, who's kind of devoid of it, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, I think Brett Favre would be very, very funny to poke fun at himself on this one. 
I don't think Brett Favre takes this role for reasons, but uh, yeah, yeah. I, I I agree. If he would take it, it would be very funny. I mean, he did something about Mary. Like I said, I don't know. All right, best shot, and actually, this like I said, this is kind of a pretty movie for the movie of its of its taste, or from from like of a, a silly rom com. This movie actually kind of looks nice, and they make L.A. look nice. Dustin, what, what's your best shot? The best shot, I, I think, is Grandma and Grandpa kissing at the graveyard, which is a sentence by itself. It's odd <laughs> to say. But this, the shot is good. So that's, that's the answer, I think. Yeah, there actually are some good cinematic moments in this one. Chad? I went with Topher Grace. When he steps outside of the Beverly Wilshire Hotel, he sees Anne Hathaway sitting in the back of the bench. It's in the exact same way Julia Roberts does in Pretty Woman. It's an homage to that scene in front of the same hotel. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. And I'm going to do the, um, a little bit before that, the restaurant scene, it was really cramped and crowded. It just kind of pans around. It shows the how busy and chaotic that, that situation was. And I, I, I like the table next door to them getting involved in their conversation. I've been at restaurants where you do ignore each other, but you, I like that they broke the wall down between the tables. And I wish both sides had gotten involved. Maybe this is me putting my rat race hat on a little bit, but I wanted some more I wanted some more atmosphere involvement in there because they set the scene of this very trendy but packed restaurant and I thought it would be really funny to play that up. They did it some, but I, I say take it and go with it more. Well the other side is kind of involved because they're just making out the whole time and it makes Topher uncomfortable, I guess. Yeah, but like I mean, they don't interact and say right, things. Right, right. Like I mean you're, you're like right. like they could talk to the table across the table from there and be like you know, like, don't stare at her. And like, like the other guy be like, I don't think he's staring at her. So like, and then it turns into like a conversation, like over, over six people and the two people in the middle want no part of this. So I think that would be funny. Server gets a pretty good line in that, in that scene. Yes. I like that scene in general. Best scene, Dustin. There are not good scenes in this movie. Hmm. <laughs> Russell's like, is there more coming? But there is not. Okay, long, no, long I, no I, I, was, I was pausing. <laughs> I was pausing on purpose. That doesn't mean there's not a best. And the best scene, I think, is uh, smashing up the heart pinata. It was fun. It was exciting and visually appealing. I dug it. Yeah. Yeah. Chad, best scene. I think I liked, we haven't talked about her character hardly at all, but Queen Latifah getting the call from Vladimir and doing the Neo de Zinga bit. Like, she gets into it for Valentine's Day. I enjoyed it. She was funny. I really liked that character. I mean, like, she's like, you know, you're kind of kinky. I get that. Just watch. Just take my phone calls first. Like, like the uh, remarkably coolest boss you'll ever have. Right? Yeah. My boss would not be like, yeah, it's cool if you do take uh, sex hotline calls on your on our time. But yeah, she was pretty cool. You do work at a bank, in fairness, which is different. Yeah, the, it would. It would be a bit awkward, but yes. We're extremely sex positive at my retreat, so. (laughs) (laughs) And my best scene is going to be Carter Jenkins waiting to have sex at his girlfriend Emma Roberts' house in the bedroom, and her mother comes home. And that does not go smoothly for him at all. Uh, he's trying to cover himself up with a guitar. She's super, she's super weirded out, and she's like, I don't think this looks good. 
And, um, <laughs> you know, he's clearly ready to serenade her with the naked guy uh, intro to the room. And I don't that's a bold move on his part. He's, he, he played a bold card and uh, he ends up running out into the street and uh, Emma Roberts ends up picking him up in the car. And uh, all of that's funny. So awkward, awkward, embarrassing slapstick moments. Do it for me. In a way, it went like as smoothly as that could have gone. I mean, like she doesn't get upset at it. Like you know, <clears throat> naked boy, like that. That could have gone a hundred different ways. And I think the way that they comedically make that work is actually like not bad. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm so anyway. Justin, best wardrobe or makeup moment. Jessica Beale in that pencil skirt, brother. Oh, doctor. Um, and I have written down here cartoon wolf sound. Oh, okay. Oh man, that pencil <laughs> skirt, brother. Yeah, that that's uh, end of statement. All right. Yes. And Chad, best wardrobe or makeup moment? Yeah, I I went with Anne Hathaway's dress. Uh, the blue for, one. The blue one for the date. I th- I thought she had the most fun wardrobe changes like she again was one of the more fleshed out characters we get to see more of her in day-to-day life and it was it was a nice dress she looked very classy for the situation that she had gone out on the date for and then juxtaposed with you know the the phone call she gets later that's a good call there and my best wardrobe and makeup moment is going to go to jennifer garner's black dress red lipstick like uh so she puts like the white apron on and so she's kind of passing for a waitress, but she's clearly way more striking than the other waitresses mm. in the room. And yet it's still it, so it presents the like like spit take you get from Patrick Dempsey's character being like, oh, and so she shows up. She brought her a game and she's like, you know, I'm I'm quite a catch. And the other woman uh, or sorry, not the other woman, her, his wife is sitting there not picking up on any of this. And uh, she just takes the white apron off and then she's dressed stunningly for her ready to go off to the i hate valentine's party uh dressed to kill so i like that conversion of getting into disguise and she looks fantastic while she's doing it that is an incredible look you're right change one thing dustin i i'm not gonna go like i'm not gonna do the big like amount of stuff that i think i could i I did choose one and it's it's just just one 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 too many teen storylines Let's let's lose let's lose the end of the virginity storyline. As I said earlier in the podcast, American Pie did this and it doesn't need to be redone. It's perfect. So mm-hmm. we don't need that one. Yeah, okay, yeah. And change one thing, Chad. I'm going after Shirley McLean's speech to Edgar. She's not really apologizing. She keeps saying you have to accept it. And it's just such a weird thing. Like, I feel like there's some middle ground scenes that were cut that would lead to this speech. Cause otherwise you cheated, yeah. you screwed up, own up, apologize and hope for forgiveness, but you can't be making demands in that situation. No, you're right. Like that's a conclusion he can come to on his own. I agree. That's perhaps spoon feeding where this will go. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Anne Hathaway can say it that bluntly, in fairness. Yeah, Blunt. yeah. She she can say, this is what I'm doing. You have to accept it because it's the relationship. But I cheated on you. You have to accept it. It's like, mm, does he? Technically, he doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> you hope that he will forgive you, which is, I'm with you, Chad. That's a very good, that's a very good comment. I want George Lopez to go in and um, 
actually give his wife a hug and a kiss as, as we're getting the outros for everybody else. So, I mean, it's just another opportunity to stick one more fun celebrity cameo in there. So I don't know who it would be, but, I, you know, George Lopez talks very lovingly of his wife. We don't get to enjoy that payoff. I mean, we just know that he is a very happily married man. So You see his wife and kids? They swing on the playset. Yeah, it's, I think you're saying just like rather it be like more romance as opposed. Yeah, to exactly, playful. exactly. Yeah, so yeah, just give him give give him a even happier happy ending because obviously he was never unhappy at any point in it. So mm-hmm. best quote, Dustin. Um, I'm sorry. I realized that I am running out of the opportunity to say this. There's absolutely no way that George Lopez's cousin is going to let random white dude drive his low rider with hydraulics to the right? airport yeah yeah huge plot hole sorry we don't have a plot hole situation moving on best quote they should have taken a boat <laughs> uh the uh, all right the the teen goes i'm his babysitter and ashton goes i'm his florist talking about the kid <laughs> i thought that was pretty funny it is good chad best quote i need happy i need romantic I need love, and I need it from you. <laughs> you need Jesus. You need Jesus. <laughs> yeah. I like the exchange between Kathy Bates and Jamie Foxx there. Well, I, uh, I, you know, Chad, you didn't like this scene because the Taylors were in it, but I, I thought this was one of the things that made it so redeemingly. Uh, the male anchor yes. has, is there, and he goes, well, there you have it, folks. Young love, full of promise, full of hope, ignorant of reality. <laughs> Paired with the scene that we're seeing and just how dumb these two teenagers are, it's very funny. That guy should have been my hidden gem. That that guy's pretty good. He is pretty good. It's now time to give this movie on a five-star scale, half-star intervals. Dustin, is this a five-star movie for you? This is a half-star movie for me. Oh, new Um, record. We've never gone that low on the show. This is the lowest rated movie I've watched in my life, and it's the lowest rated for the show. It does exactly what it's supposed to do, which is not entertain me. It was... It, I, I made it through 20 minutes, and then I turned it off, came back to it the next day, made it through the rest painstakingly, and then to my own torture, I had to rewatch it again because I was presenting on this movie. I would like the two of you and listeners, as you stick with us, for the rest of the year, I think we've had six prior movies for 2022. For the rest of the year, I want you to think, and it's going to be really easy for you when we get to December. Well, I know it's not the worst movie of the year because we've got Valentine's Day on the list. Wow. Yeah, no, I was going to say, you can't... You know, it's only January, or sorry, February. It's only February by the time this is released. But right, yeah. So my four, goodness, four yeah. in January, two in I guess maybe five. But essentially, this is there's nowhere to go but up for you on this one. Hey, it, luckily there were the things that I did smile and laugh about to have it warrant having a half star. Oh, I'm so here for this. I <laughs> I get banned for these opinions. So thank yeah, you, wow. Dustin. No, it's, it's, no, it's, it's important. I, it's I important say, to I, have I'm a broad spectrum. The, I'm trying to remember things. what the low watermark was before. It might have been, I think, Fried hated Legend a lot, but I did too. No. Uh, Buckaroo Bonsai, but it was never alive. You, I was gonna say you weren't you weren't on that episode. So the, and and broadcast. Congratulations, Dustin. You've yes. broken you've broken through the barrier. I just had to had to be my real self, you know. I'm so envious right now. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> Chad. That's great, Chad. I, um, uh, let's let's uh let's pick people up a little bit with your with your take here. 
one and a half stars, sir. That is a, that is three times as good. As Shoot Dustin's. the moon, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I. Dustin completely stole my thunder, and again, I am loving it. Thank you, Dustin. That, that was great. I am. <laughs> he took the I'm words energized. out of your mouth and then some. <laughs> yeah, it's this is obviously an attempt to replicate the success of the fantastic Love Actually, and it fails at every single step. The characters are flatter, the connections are more predictable, and the acting is inferior. If you need a rom-com, there are better films out there. If you're just craving a ton of celebrities, go see Love Actually instead. What if you want American celebrities? I go go watch Crash. Read a People magazine, Russell. You you gave the answer earlier in the podcast. Read a People magazine. Ocean's Eleven. Ocean's Eleven exists. Go see. Oh that. baby, yeah. Well, Chad, you triple Dustin's rating, and I'm going to double yours. I'm going to give this a three. I don't, I don't hate this. I, like I said, this is, uh, I guess I have returned to it. Given that it's nestled into a specific holiday, it's pleasant. If it were on TV, and if I were just doing some other things, I would let it play. I don't mind it. It's, it is funny in moments, and it is not challenging, but it doesn't bring me down. So it's fluff, but you know what? Valentine's Day is about fluff sometimes. Well put. So I'm going to go to three. Generous. Somehow, somehow, it's, somehow you feel like you're apologizing for going too high at that point. <laughs> hey, you do you. That's fine. Yeah. Sure, right. it's fine. Yeah, hey, hey, it's fine. Yeah. Well, we're going to go, we're going to go to a different world after this. So we're going to go for a Harry Potter movie after this. We have a short list of all Harry Potter movies here. Dustin, do you want to help me pick a movie for next time? I'm in. Let's go. Lift my spirits, baby. Option one, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets from 2002. An ancient prophecy seems to be coming true when a mysterious presence begins stalking the corridors of the school and magic and leaving its victims paralyzed. Option two, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban from 2004. Harry Potter, Ron, Hermione return to Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry for their third year of study, where they delve into the mystery surrounding an escaped prisoner who poses a dangerous threat to the young wizard. And option three, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire from 2005. Harry Potter finds himself competing in a hazardous tournament between the rival schools of magic, but he is distracted by reoccurring nightmares. Azkaban, option two. This is, uh, for a second, I was thinking like this isn't even a choice, but I remember these are good. Uh, Prisoner of Azkaban, yeah. Yes, yeah. And... So we'll be back for that one next time. And so thank you guys for for doing this. Yep. Thank you for subjecting us to it. I'm glad I watched it. That's right. That's right. Uh, you know, it's funny. There was supposed to be a guest on this episode, but we had a hard time. <laughs> I just want—I just want to leave this in there. If anybody ever wants to do a Valentine's Day episode, if your spouse wants to do a Valentine's episode, or significant other, uh, this is always the hardest one to book. And it's funny. This year rolled around, and I did not book it. <laughs> and we've been nicer to rom-coms in the past, so this was an anomaly. But yeah, please. Please don't let it be three men trashing romantic comedies. Yeah, I was gonna say. I was gonna say, bring somebody else who uh, will who come in and tell us why Valentine's Day is so good. Yes, I'm sure that person exists. Why it makes you feel warm and fuzzy. Uh, Ashton Kutcher's mother probably supports it. He's so good in this. He's trying really hard. (laughs) Mila Um, Kunis is all about it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, shit. It would have been a per- fun person to stick in there as like maybe one of the other teachers who was like pining over him and trying to like get Jennifer Garner to put a good word in for him. And she's like, you're not right for him. 70s show reference. Yes. Yes. Anyway, 
Thank you, all the Lords, Ladies, and Knights of the Retro Movie Roundtable. We invite you to reach out to us. We want to hear from you. So subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. Give us a like on Facebook. Follow us at Twitter at at movie underscore retro. Emails at retromovieroundtable yahoo.com or on Instagram. And producing and providing this podcast is fun but not free. So we invite you to support the show on our Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash retromovieroundtable. Any contributions you make will go towards making the show better for you, the listeners, and always, always, thank you for listening, and be good to each other, and watch more movies. Dustin? I know this steak doesn't exist. I know that when I put it in my mouth, the Matrix is telling my brain that it is juicy and delicious. After nine years, you know what I realize? Ignorance is bliss. <laughs>